Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. It's short track racing is where all racing started. I mean, it's even the NASCAR world started short track racing back in the day. And we just want to tell a great story. to, And to, not a story. We want to tell factual guidelines. Hear the unfiltered, honest stories of how grassroots racers have and can achieve their racing goals. Fast Car to NASCAR. Hosted by NASCAR driver Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Here we go. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourself in. Pull those belts tight as we take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We bring in the occasional guest, well, the weekly guest on this show. And today, if you know racing in Virginia or the Carolinas, you probably know this name. He's a driver. He's a team owner. Four-time NASCAR Whalen All-American Series National Champion and owner of late model racing team Lee Pulliam Performance. It's Lee. Say hi to Mike Wallace, Lee. Hey, guys. I appreciate you having me on today and uh, look forward to the show. Well, Lee, thank you for being on, and I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, I, I admire what you, you've done in, in short track racing, and especially uh, you're still a really young guy, so... Uh, you know, you're a four-time champion of the NASCAR Whalen Series, used to be the the Winston Racing Series, and I competed in that series, so I know how incredibly tough that is. So we've got everybody knowing all the success you have in the short track world, but how did Lee Pulliam become a champion? Where, where Did you grow up in racing? Were you born into the sport? How, what's the cover story? I mean, it's going to take a little while to, to go through this, but um, but it's been a really cool ride for me. As a kid, um, I went to South Boston Speedway on Saturday nights with my mom and dad and would go to Orange County and different racetracks. And, you know, we that's what we did as a family. We, we really didn't have the money, you know, to race. And I always wanted to go car race and do stuff like that. But, you know... Literally, I grew up, um, I never wanted for anything and never knew that I went without anything. But, you know, my mom and dad, you know, I rode the school bus to school because they couldn't spend the extra money, the gas money to come pick me up or, or take me to school. You know, they made, mom made one trip to town on Sunday to get groceries and that was it. You know, we ate every meal at home. So, you know, to get where I am today has been a complete blessing and a long, long, long ride. Um I graduated high school uh, early, went to college at night, taking extra classes and graduated early, 
got me a job as a uh, diesel mechanic. I did all the welding and fabricating at a diesel mechanic shop and um, got the nickname Fireball there. And, um, you know, I worked in the daytime and I'd go to college at night and I was saving up every dollar I could save up. And, um, and before that, I, you know, I was working with my dad in the summers, logging, uh, cutting trees and just, um, me and him saved up nickels and dimes and we found a used race car for sale and basically went out on a limb and, and purchased it. And it took us about a year and a half to get everything together for it. And, a lot of local businesses helped the guy I worked for. He bought the engine for the car, and um, it was pretty amazing. I, I won, like, my fourth race out, and I'd never said in anything in my entire life. And It just grew year after year after year, but um, it was a true grassroots scratch-claw get into the to racing world. So, so help me just a little bit, and I, I heard the story very clearly, but – what do you think your first motivation? I know you went to the racetrack and you watched it, but wanting to be that driver. And as you said, you had to scratch and claw to make everything work. So you put a lot of effort in, a lot of effort to make that work. So what do you think was that initial drive to, to want to be a race car driver? So I guess, um, you know, some families go to football games, some go to baseball games. But for me, you know, that. Those guys, like, y'all, as a kid, you want to impress your parents, right? So I went to a racetrack with my parents, and Sam Art was my dad's hero, my mom's hero, um, you know, David Blankenship, Barry Beggarly, and then I grew up a tremendous Dale Earnhardt fan. Um, if it, You know, I'd argue with the old guys in church, you know, you know, Dale Earnhardt is the king, you know, and that's just – it was just something every um, – that that just consumed my life you know so as a kid i wanted to be that guy i wanted to be that very beggarly that david blankenship that wayne patterson on the local level winning these races and making you know community proud my family proud and um it just was a desire to compete from an early age you know i just it's just something when we went to the racetrack i knew that's what i wanted to do i knew that's what i wanted to be i went I've got pictures of me sitting in uh, late model guys' cars when I could was four or five years old. You know, we went down into pits after every race to see the drivers, and it was just an immense love I had from the start. Is there any one of those drivers that you become buddies with, friends with? No, he noticed you were a fan or, or a little boy that came up to him that that helped you in those early years or just uh, gave you some motivation, maybe not helped you, but just <coughs> talked to you. As we say, his kids patted us on the head and said, we'll see you next Saturday, you know? Yeah. I'd say David Blankenship was one of those guys. We sat with um, his mom and dad in the stands a lot. And another guy was HC sellers. Um, you know, HC actually worked on his car some before I started racing and just, that was my first hands-on experience working on cars and hc gave me kind of a setup generic setup to take to the racetrack so that's how we knew how to originally go and um you know he'd give me pointers and tell me what this or that would do and i just soaked it all in like a sponge yeah so lee i know who you are jeff knows who you are everybody in the carolinas virginia tennessee know who you but a guy out in colorado or in wyoming who's going to be listening w explain the race cars that you're running what is the first car you had what kind of race car was that it was a um called a nascar limited late model so it was basically um it's a we run the late model stock series now which is a it's a all, not an offset chassis it's a not a straight wheel it's called a perimeter chassis car which is very similar to like what they would race on sunday uh built wise we run um engines somewhere around 500 horsepower and 3100 pounds with the driver in it so uh these cars look a lot like wood races on Sunday a few years ago before the new bodies. And, um, you can find us basically from Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. And, uh, that's pretty much where our cars consist of. But the first car I had was 
you know, the same type chassis, but just used. So I got it a lot cheaper, you know, and uh, probably 350 horsepower car. Gotcha. So we set the stage there. You've Blankenship was your, your driver when you grew up and you and dad, but what, what was the chassis? I'm kind of in the names of chassis builders. Do you remember what the name of the chassis was, who the builder was in that first car? Yeah, it was a uh, used Rick Townsend chassis. Your Townsend um, car, huh? Okay. Yep, that was the first car I ever sat in and, um, you know, ran that car for several years, um, probably the first four or five years of my career. And then, um, were able to to get a Hedgecock car later on as Townsend had um, unfortunately had had to close the doors and we got a Hedgecock car and I've been there ever since. Wow! So after the uh, the early introduction, you went you go out and you win your fourth race out. Is isn't that what you said? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. And that that was in the limited late model series at that time. Yeah, at South Boston Speedway and. I'll never forget, I went out there the first time to test, and the guy to beat back then was Bruce Anderson, and uh, he was just really dominant at South Boston Speedway. And I was out there on the racetrack thinking I was doing something, and Bruce come by me at full speed about blew me off the track. And, uh, <laughs> I was, was kind of like, man, maybe I'm not cut out for this. But, you know, I took the mentality that, you know, if he could drive it in a corner that far, I could. And if he could get on a gas at the end of pit wall instead of three car lengths later, I could. And, you know, I spun the car out a few times. I, You know, I made plenty of mistakes, but I just always approached it with the attitude where I wanted to learn. I wanted to be better. I tried to mimic the guy that was winning, and um, it always worked for me. So I, I've, I've talked to various racers about you over the years. I, I don't know if you remember, I called you a few years ago. I wanted to drive one of your cars at Richmond. I, then I realized, realized my ego was overriding my checkbook at that time. So, <laughs> But yes. you, you become, they tell me you're very knowledgeable as a chassis man. You're not just a race car driver. You Like you understand your cars. Am I, am I hearing that right? Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I'm basically racing my life, so I engulf myself with it. And um, for every part of the race car besides the chassis, you know, I build at the shop. And, and it's not that I got somebody hired to build it. I build it. You know, I build the lower A-frames. I build the spindles. I build the upper A-frames, um, soy bar arms, you know, you name it, I, and I, I can do it. But it's, um, I think it's part of being a complete race car driver understanding how things work understanding when i'm in the car and i pick up the throttle initially and it's and it's pushing i know what i need to do or i pick up the throttle and it's over rotating right here or, or it gets loose late at the wall or i'm loose on entry you know i just you know i think it's really important to have a general understanding of other race cars and knowing what you're feeling and knowing what to change to to complement that Okay, back in we we got that. Now backing back up, you win, you take that car, you win the fourth race out in it. Do you continue to win or was that just like, wow, I can't believe we won or did you just come out and did did you make any enemies meaning did, did, did the local guys go, "Man, who's this kid?" and uh you, you kept beating them or how did it work from there? So, um we run basically the first these first couple of years of my career we only run limited at south boston so that first year we probably raced 12 races and um i think i won two of them i won rookie of the year and uh if i didn't win i was normally on the rollback so, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so it was a lot of cutting and grinding and welding and luckily i was a fabricator so i could fix a lot of the stuff myself but um you know all volunteer crews so that all helped out and it was it was a fun year, but it had its challenges too, you know. Um, and we 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 moved into the second year racing limited, and I think I won. I think I won eight or nine races that year and won the track championship um, at South Boston. So it kind of progressed fairly fast from there. Um, but the first year, I think we ended up with two wins. From that first year to the second year, what what was the difference besides you've done it for a year now, but how did you, how did you go from winning two races to seven to nine races? Or, or uh, did you just get that good? Put my, <laughs> I just learned how to 
to put myself in better situations. So, um, a lot of times just a little bit of patience would have went a long way for, for a lot of racers. And I developed that patience of, I don't need to take a lead on lap seven. You know, we got a long race here. You know, I can take a lead with five to go. I can take a lead with 10 to go. I can, you know, just position myself a little bit better and take care of the car and they pay dividends. And of course I was getting better too. I, I'd never been in a race car before that that rookie year. So as a driver, I was learning more of what I needed. I was learning more about the race cars and what it would do to, to if I did this, you know, the first year here I am, I'm, I'm racing a pair of 350 coilovers in the front and a pair of 175s in the back with, and we just moved across, you know, if I was a little tight, I'd take some cross out. If I was a little free, we'd put some cross in, you know, it was just very simple. And, you know, the more I learned about these things, the more I learned what things did and geometry and jack and force and just got better working on my man driving it. You know, Lee, what's really unique about that is I, Jeff, we interviewed Mark Martin, what, two weeks ago? We did. So you you and Mark Martin, believe it or not, have like your storylines compare so equally. Understand as you started with basic cars then understanding the cars and then you started winning races so uh very cool yeah like i said it it, it has been a tremendous ride and, and most people you know if they wasn't there for it or they just seen the later part of my career that'd be hard to fathom um where we came from but i remember those days i remember clawing and scraping for everything i could get and it's uh it's really been cool you know of course as a driver i always wanted to make it to sunday right you know i always thought i was good enough and to to compete on sunday and that part is you know still like i never quite got that accomplished but all the things we did accomplish i am very proud of we're going to take a break, Lee, in just a second here. But when we come back, perhaps you're a four-time champion. Maybe you can take us through one of those seasons or maybe your favorite season from beginning to end and where you raced and how things went. So we'll take a time out and come back. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Before we get back to Fast Car 2 NASCAR with Mike Wallace. With everything from resto mods to numbers matching classics, American muscle to European exotics, watch as a dazzling array of vehicles cross the block at the GAA Classic Cars Auction. Tune in on MAV-TV, Thursday, September 9th, for Speed Sport Presents, the GAA Classic Cars Auto Auction. Check your local listings for channel and time. Welcome back. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Today's guest driver, team owner, Lee Pulliam, four-time champion, four times. Say hi once again to Mike Wallace. Hey, Mike. It's uh, <laughs> glad to be here. Yeah, Lee. I am just intrigued by sitting here thinking about your story and it isn't a story it's just facts it's how it all works so we got you starting basically in 2007 kid out of the grandstand dad's supportive mom's supportive you go out win a couple races you come back the following year and say 2008 you win eight or nine and then i really believe by 2012 is when you were going to start running for a championship but what did you do between that 2009 era or 2010 till you decided to go run for a nascar championship what kind of cars did you race or did you just continue to run the same type of cars so 2009 i um i moved up to late model that was my first year running late model at south boston speedway and it was incredibly tough i mean you're talking about car counts from 28 to 30 cars a week uh philip morris wayne ramsey deke mccaskill i mean some of the biggest names. Those are some heavy hitter names racing. you just laid out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I really had to, had to cut my teeth and, and, and learn with some of the best of the best. And, you know, it was a tough year. It was, it was one of those years. I, I won one race. Um, I did win rookie of the year at South Boston, but I was still competing in that same car that I initially bought, just had put a late model motor in it. And I was competing against guys that build brand new cars every year. So, um, it, it was tough. It was nothing easy about it. And we worked 10 times harder than ever before, just trying to, to run fifth to 10th, you know, and 
and but I learned a lot, you know. I learned a lot being on the track with those guys. I learned how skilled these guys were, you know, when you when you move up to that next division it's just like kinda like starting over and I, I definitely um had my work cut out for me. And um two thousand ten we get some more sponsors, um, some more people come on board, and I'm able to build a, a new Hedgecock car. And that kind of turned my career around in a late model deal. You know, I won I won five races that year, uh, finished second in the late model points at South Boston against all those big names. And, um, you know, just had really kind of a breakthrough year. I, I sat on the pole at Martinsville for the Taco Bell 300. I um, almost won it. I had... I dominated halfway. Dennis Setzer was running second to me pretty much the whole race. And um, after halfway, we come in and got tires, and the guys make some adjustments. Well, apparently a zip tie had broke, and the spark plugs got the um, got on the header, and the wire it burnt the wires. So I lost two cylinders in halfway, and I run I run fifth at Martinsville basically on six cylinders so uh at the biggest race of the year so it was heartbreaking because i dominated the whole race up until that point but it was pretty much the uh time in my career that i had really started to excel now at this point in your career are you still working that regular job at the diesel shop and racing or are you now all in in the race world no i was still working a regular job and um so i was i was well i was actually working i was actually logging at this point uh when i quit limited racing i went back into logging and uh my late model career i logged in the daytime and i'd get home seven o'clock you know logging you don't work eight to five you work when the sun comes up to when it comes to when it goes back down <laughs> so um so i'd get home you know and i'd be already well but i was uh you know i'd put four five six hours more into the race car that night and um, all volunteer guys show up so worked a whole lot of hours to be able to do what we did and it 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 slowly trans probably 2011 was probably my first really big year we won i think 18 out of 20 races at motor mile speedway i moved i started racing there uh finished third in the i think it was third in the nation to uh philip morris and keith rocco um so it was the first year i got invited to the nascar banquet and uh in charlotte in december and when i got to see that and i got to see that you know how cool it was and how close i was to being a national champion in 2011 you know i knew exactly where my focus was going to be in 2012 well those banquets they 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 motivate you don't they you see those guys sitting up front who's the champion and i remember going uh they had the winston racing series banquet in nashville tennessee at opera land and uh I won the regional championship, but Max Prestwood won the national championship back in that time. And I'm sitting there yes. thinking, man, I want to be him. I want to be up on that stage, and I got to do whatever I got to do to make that happen. So uh, you got motivated there at the banquet, and I'm assuming that that led you into your uh, quest uh, for one of your first championships? Yeah, so um... – I really didn't had never paid attention to the national stuff because you know I was just kind of overwhelmed from working in the daytime and racing on the weekend. I just I never even looked at that stuff, so I didn't even realize how close I was in 2011 to winning the deal. I mean, a couple of races and and you're you know I was a 2011 champion. You know I, that's how close it was, but I didn't even realize it. So I went to the banquet and you know I had to give a speech for finished third third in the nation and. And then I started studying the point system and how it worked. And I, like I said, I never really even followed it. And 2012, I, I basically set a goal. Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to race South Boston and we're going to race Motor Mile as much as possible and see what happens. And had a uh, really had an unbelievable season. Um, won 22 races and beat Keith Rocco. Um, by that time, it was a the the biggest separation for first to second in a national championship ever so um basically dominated in 20 uh 2012 and 
anywhere we went, we basically went to victory lane. So it was it was definitely a special year. Lee, you said you studied the point system. What exactly do you mean by that? So I just um, I didn't I didn't really know it's like the NASCAR point system. They based off of at that time it was off of your best eighteen races, and then you had to have like uh, I think it was twenty cars to be a full field. So like in two thousand eleven. I probably could have run two or three different races at say motor mile that I didn't go to, uh, or, or say South Boston by either way and probably could have won it, but I, I didn't follow it. You know, like I had, I had a great year in 2011, but I didn't understand that, Hey, if I'd have raced three or four more times, I'd have had the points to win this deal. So like, I just, it just was something that was never on my radar so with the national points deal, you've got to race a lot. You got to win wherever the car county is. So you kind of chase the tracks that have the best car count to win this deal. And so I just basically studied and learned, you know, it really isn't a lot to it, but I just didn't know anything about it really at the time. Well, uh, when you talk about that points thing, I, um, and I'm going to reference back because I put you in the, in the same category as a Larry Phillips. I remember Larry growing up, or when I grew up around Larry, he was he was trying to explain that to me, and I didn't understand it. He says, look, I got to race where there's plenty of cars. I can't go where there's hardly nobody, and then I got to win. So uh, you just explained it a little bit more to me and to everyone. But uh, so 2012, you go out there and you dominate, sounds like. Car difference, people difference, just everything's going well. What do you think that uh, – not that you weren't running good before you were already running good, but now you put it all together and you understood the points. Yeah. Like I said, 2011 was really kind of that breakthrough year. I think, uh, 2010, I got that new car built and had the equipment equal to what everybody had. And from that point on, it was me improving as a driver. So I actually raced that same car for like seven or eight years from that point on. So, um, so I think it was just me improving as a driver. I had basically the same guys uh, with me at the racetrack every week. And, you know, we always improving as a team. We got confidence, uh, you know, baseball's confidence, football's confidence, racing's confidence. Uh, so when we showed up at the racetrack, we expected to win. And, you know, that that means a lot. You know, when you have that mentality, when you roll through the gate that, hey, if we do everything that we know how to do and I do my job behind the wheel, there's a really good chance we'll go to victory lane tonight. And that confidence just kept snowballing. And and we just, once you get that confidence and you start winning, a lot of times your competitors get more in left field because they start really just throwing stuff at the race cars because they're, they, they feel like they're getting beat badly, so they have to work and try to find something different. Well, a lot of times it's a lot easier to go backwards in racing than it is to go forwards, and we just we just was in a really good spot. Gotcha. Well, the one thing I need to get back was to Jeff Kent's question. I sorry I deviated around that, Jeff. <laughs> just we're gonna we're gonna go back to about every year you won the championship. But what was your favorite championship year, and why was it a favorite championship year? You know, all, all of them were special. Um, 2012, 2013, um, you know, one back to back. And this was when I was single. I uh, hadn't been, I wasn't married at the time. 2015, that was my first championship after I was married. But 2017 is probably the most special for me because that was my first championship as a dad. So I got to take my daughter. Even though she was young, she got to travel with me. And you know how demanding it is to race. Once you have that kid, you have responsibility at home. Plus, you're putting in all the effort to go to the racetrack. So it was a very grueling year and a lot of work. But it was really cool to have my family there to experience it. When you're talking about having your child with you, I actually follow you on Facebook, uh, what do they call that vicariously that's kind of like shadowing someone just so stalking you, stalking is a stalker okay <laughs> well when you admire somebody's ability you try to figure out what they're doing but boy it seems like you you're wonderful you're a wonderful family man 
Any any special thing about when you you first had your child there going to the racetrack with you? I know now they were little bitty, so you wouldn't. They just tag along, or what's a what's one memory maybe you remember of that 2017 year when the fa- when now you're a family man at the racetrack or a particular race you won for whatever reason that night? Yeah, I'd say um, there was a lot of them. You know, a lot of nights at that time. You know, it was. She did sleep well at night, so, you know, you'd be up half the night with her, helping her, and um, helping mom, you know, with her, and then you got to be at the racetrack at 8 o'clock in the morning, so there was a lot of really rewarding wins, you know, at the end of it, at the end of the night when you won, and you got the little girl in Victor Lane with you, and, you know, as I said before, as a, as a kid, I always wanted to make my dad my dad and my mom proud and now as a dad i want to make my kid proud you know so all those moments you know i know she probably doesn't remember very much of it but for me having those victory lane photos together and being able to talk to her about that as she ages and like hey dad used to be cool you know dad used to go to victory (laughs) lane and win these races and you know so she was so small like like, I want to do it again with their older, but um, it was still special to me because it was just a lot of work that went into it, and, and I was balancing being a good dad plus balancing being a really good race car driver. Lee, it sounds to me like you're one that doesn't require a lot of sleep. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm paying for it now, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely went without sleep for uh, for. 15 years now ever since i started racing the um the, the lack of sleep has definitely been there so, <laughs> i'll tell you what you we're know. creeping up on another break so we'll go ahead and do that now but um maybe when we come back we can segue from being a driver to a team owner and the new challenges that that uh, that that presents you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network and nascar digital media Before we get back to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. Kenny Wallace started the tradition, and we keep burning rubber, baby. Burning Rubber Radio goes behind the scenes of all your favorite divisions of racing. From NASCAR to ARCA, IRL to IMSA, if it's raced, they talk about it. Join Andy DeLay and the crew weekly to find out on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, NASCAR Digital Media, and your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome back. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Today's guest, Lee Pulliam, driver, team owner, Lee Pulliam Performance. If you race in Virginia, the Carolinas, or Tennessee, you know the name. And here's Mike Wallace. Well, Lee, since Jeff did such a great intro about the performance business, is there somewhere, we'll we'll ask this question now, and then I'm going to get back to some other normal stuff. Where does somebody go to find more about Lee Pullman? Or you got any T-shirts or swag or anything that you're selling that they can log on to and and buy? Shameless plug. (laughs) Hey, hey, I'm uh, a racer, man. (laughs) Got to help your buddies out. (laughs) Yeah, we got a a website, www.leepulliamperformance.com. And, uh, it's, you know, got some information on there about, you know, some of our drivers and then got some photos and some stats and stuff about some of the things we do for different people. Um, but you know, it's got, a got a lot about us and we, we sell shirts and hats and stuff like that at all the races that we go to. So if you see a Lee Pulliam performance car running somewhere, we, we have all the stuff in the trailer with us. So, all right. Well, Hey, we're going to touch a bunch of subjects here but i want to ask you because when i first heard about lee pullman winning all these races and at least i started focusing on it you drove and correct me if i'm saying any of this wrong because again we we don't really know each other that well but i admire everything you do you drove a car that said kiker kiker on it and number five car is that was that a lot of success or am i just thinking i've seen that in a lot of wins so, uh, Kiker, uh, Mr. Eddie and Travis Kiker, I used to race against those guys. Uh, Frank Denny drove for them. Um, different guys over the years, Brandon Dean. And in 2000, it's the end of 2013, I just won my second national title. And, you know, I'm pulling up in a little, you know, 30-something foot gooseneck, you know, trailer and old dually and stuff. And, 
you know, Mr. Kiker, you know, they had really nice, they had a renegade stacker and really nice equipment. And, um, he approached me at the end of 2013 and asked if I'd be interested in driving for him. So, um, of course I was excited and took the opportunity and, uh, he had one car himself. And then, you know, I told him, I said, I want to run my car as well, you know, and we'll just, his number had always been five. We'll decal it as number five and we'll race that. So, um, we took his car uh, my first race is Mer- was Myrtle Beach 400 and, uh, which is a prestigious event around here. And we took it there and sat on the outside pole past Ben Rhodes on the white flag to win the race. And, uh, that was my very first time ever to Myrtle Beach Speedway, my very first time driving for him. And, uh, he had a, a Marlowe car and it was my first time actually driving a Marlowe car and, um, went to victory lane. So, and, and from that point on, the rest of my career, I drove for Mr. Kiker. Mr. When Mr. Kiker asked you to drive that car, what, in 2013, were you in awe? Did you go, all right, I've made it now? Um, <laughs> somebody's asked me to drive the race car? It was definitely a uh, surreal moment because I knew that I had been on a, a, you know, even though I'd had a lot of success, I would take my winnings and I was balancing my checkbook on Sunday, making sure checks were going to go through, cover the tire bill, making sure I didn't have to call the tire guy and say, hey, can you not put that check in until Wednesday? Because I put, got to make a deposit Tuesday, you know. I'd raced like that my whole career, and not that we had an open checkbook, but it was pretty much if we needed something, you know, for the most part, we could get it. So from that point on, it really changed my career and took a lot of stress and a lot of work from off of my shoulders from having to run to chase down sponsors and 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 really beat the bushes to get the money to go racing and. And really helped me a lot. I love the backstories of things. Mr. Kiker is. What did they do, or what, what kind of business were they in? Uh, Mr. Kiker, he owns a tree service uh, in Indian Trail, North Carolina. So he does uh, a lot of commercial tree work around the Mooresville area. He does stuff Lake Norman, and um, you know, pretty much all around the Charlotte area. He 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 contracts and comes and cuts your trees out of your yard and mulches them up and gets it out of there. So, oh, uh, so, you, so you could help me on a deal for trees. Uh, he's I always working yeah. a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I know the man to call. You yes, know the yeah. man to call? Beautiful. I'll, have, yeah. I'll call you Write on that. Write that down, Kiker. How do you spell that? <laughs> it's K-I-K-E-R, <laughs> number it. five. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that car is famous, man. I just, I, I was yep. always wondering who he was or what. Because I've heard you talk about him a few times, but Jeff, what you have? You were talking about the performance business, or well, let's talk about Lee Pulley and performance. I mean, you know, in the transition from from being a driver to a team owner, you already said you were writing checks and and balancing your checkbook once a week. So I imagine there's a lot more of that involved with with running the company these days, right? Yeah, absolutely. So probably in about 2012, I started keeping up some other cars on the side just to kind of help me. Um, be more at the shop so that i got me out of the logging woods a little bit and was able to pay my bills plus be able to be in the shop more working so um that started about then and and pretty much 2000 end of 2013 i took out a loan and built uh the current shot shop that we're in now and uh since 2014 we've been in that shop working full time how many cars do you currently have uh, this year we're um, we're keeping up cars for Brandon Pierce and Jonathan Schaefer in the Cars Tour, and then I do Darren Cockrum, which is a limited sportsman car at Motor Mile Speedway. So doing those three cars this year, we've I've basically I had Matt Kenseth drive for me at the Denny Hamlin race a few years ago. We finished third behind uh, I think it was Matt Bolin one, Kyle Busch second. Um, I've had Chase Elliott drive my cars. Um, you know, different people, Kaz Grala, um, Dalton Sargent, so some pretty big names that made it in, in, in the, up the ranks in the race. And Corey Heim drove for me last year, had a really successful year with him, and he's doing a great job for Venturini in the ARCA Series now and racing for Kyle Busch some in the Truck Series and doing an awesome job. So definitely been able to work with some talented people over the years. Just 
tell or explain to everybody that's listening, when you use the word taking care of their car, does that mean that it's their race car or those are your race cars? And how much do you take them to the racetrack for them or you just prep them in the shop? What do you do in that aspect? So we take care of everything. Those The, the cars belong to me. And um, basically it's just like, you know, Mr. Hendrick or, or Stewart or whoever, you know, it takes X amount of dollars to run these cars a year. So, you know, they have sponsorship to go racing and, and, and we provide the team and, and the people and the equipment and trucks and trailers. And, you know, they show up to, to the racetrack to race and, you know, they can come to the shop sometimes and learn about things and, you know, uh, help out a little bit and just try to get a better understanding. But we basically take care of the whole aspect. Um, we, we, we crew the cars and, and, and do it all. So if they wreck them, you know, we fix them back like they were new. And, um, pretty much just right. kind of like cup racing, but just on the local level. Yeah. So are you about yeah. tapped out on the quantity of cars that you can take care of? Or are you still got room for more? I mean, there's, I guarantee you, there's, there's some young man or young lady out there listening to you right now and thinking, I want to do what he does, and I need to get in his race cars. They win Actually, races. Actually, I know a guy that's about 62. Yeah, he's sitting right next to you, isn't he, right now? Why do you always know where I'm leading with this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know, it's, it's racing changes so much. So, you know, we, we go through that every year with different drivers and potential drivers and you know, for our goal is to see our drivers make it up the ladder to the next level and, and just continue on. So it is a lot of turnover in what we do. Um, you know, the toughest thing right now, I think, in any business is finding uh, good people. So, you know, we're, we're at the point where, with people where we like to do two to three cars a year. And, and that's about where we're at with people right now. Um, you know, it's just tough to find the right people. Uh, and to put in the right places because the last thing we want to do is be uh, is not provide the absolute very best that you can that you can set foot in. So that's my number one goal. I'm a I'm I'm a big guy of quality over quantity. So uh, I want my race cars to be the best ones out there. And it's a it's a very limited uh, amount of space here at LPP. But you know if you're driving for us, we feel like yeah, it's, you're in some of the best stuff there is. Well, let me ask you this: Is Lee Pullian Performance chasing uh, a championship this year? Yeah, well, we're racing the um, racing the cars tour, so we do a lot of traveling. Um, we we've got uh, Brandon Pierce driving, and then Jonathan Schaefer. Brandon, he's uh, he's race. This is his third year with me, and uh, he's had kind of an up and down season. He had some bad luck actually. This past weekend at Motor Mile, you know, a guy missed a shift on the initial start and, and just tore the whole front end of his car up. So he, he literally raced a modified the entire race and, you know, no fault of his own. But that's just kind of the year he's had. He's had just tough, tough luck. And we've got Jonathan Schaefer. He uh, he just turned 16. So really young kid um, does a lot of stuff with Toyota. And um, he finished fifth this past weekend. And, you know, he's racing, you know, this is the toughest series to race, in my opinion, on the East Coast. I mean, Josh Berry's in the field, Bobby McCarty, you know, uh, Timothy Peters a lot of times runs, Deke McCaskill, Justin Johnson, and uh, the kid finished fifth this weekend, 21-car field. So, uh, for the as little experience as he has, he's done a really good job. So, so you're not driving, but I, I read something over the weekend, and I know you're preparing cars for that we just talked about. But are you still hopping back in a race car here and there, helping set cars up or making them better for people? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, with my customer cars, I do the same thing. If I can get, if I can fit in on, it just depends on the size of the driver. Jonathan's 110 pounds, so I can't fit in his race car. But like Brandon, you know. He's a, you know, he's about my size, so I, I jump in his car to see how it is and what I can do to improve it at different times. And I was able to do that this weekend for for Josh Berry. Um, he was at Daytona, just in case anybody needed him in a Cup car or an Xfinity car. He uh, called me up and asked me if I'd shake his car down at Motor Mile because we were on a 
as a tire shortage right now in the short track world and we had to race a l55 tire this week which is different than the l45s and he wanted me to shake the car down just because it was so much difference and uh, didn't have a lot of time but was able to to make some gains on the car for him before he got there and um so able to help out did, did that uh, stir up the driver emotion in you a little bit again, or did, are you content with your decision on taking care of cars? I definitely uh, still plan to race in the future. Um, you know, I, I love taking care of cars and working on cars. Um, I, You know, I'm at four national championships. Larry Phillips is at five. Philip Morris is at five. You know, someday I'd like to go and, tie those guys you know with being the most all time and maybe even try to get number six you know but that that could be later down the road you know philip mars you he heard was, it here first he he's coming back he's, folks lee pulliam is coming back as a driver yeah. there's a lot of tree <laughs> business that's got to be done in this area so mr kiker come Kiker, on. get hey get kiker on the phone yeah. will you yeah. Let's get, the, let's get that checkbook ready to go. We can even That's do direct right. deposits anymore. We don't even have to check, have checks. Venmo. <laughs> Venmo. That's right. That's right. So, you know, in the future, I think that's a possibility. And, you know, I still hold out. You know, I did some – I tested a truck for uh, Caleb Holman and, and his guys a few years ago uh, before they went to Martinsville. I tested at Motor Mile and formed to, to help them out with some things. So, you know, I still hold out some hope that maybe I could run a truck race or get some funding and run an Xfinity race or something just to say I did it one time. You know, I mean, it's as a race car driver, and it's that's what you want to do. And I think Josh Berry is a perfect example. You know, he's me and him have really won the majority of the races over the last 10 years and and he got the opportunity to get an xfinity car at 30 plus years old and uh you know here he goes full-time racing next year for junior motorsports and i think that just proves that you know there is really really good race car drivers out there that are 30 years old or, or or more that never got that opportunity but if they did they could really shine and um you know I, i'm pulling for him because you know, Josh is another one of those guys that, you know, everything, the stars align just right for him to get this opportunity. And and I, um, I'm i proud of how he's performed. I'm, I was really proud when he won Martinsville this year. And um, I hope to see him and continue to have a successful career through the ranks. Well, Lee, I want to, when we come back... I want to share a story about age when you just said that. I told Jeff about so, Jeff. Hold that thought. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Today's guest driver, team owner of Lee Pulliam Performance, Lee Pulliam. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Lee, we, as we went to break, you were talking, and you seemed like you were happy for Josh Berry, and you said that you still have interest in possibly getting in a race car. Let me share an opposite story. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. Many years ago, I won the Winston Racing Series in 1990, and I like I want, I want to be a race car driver. You know, my older brother Rusty's a champion. My little brother Kenny was racing. I'm winning a bunch of races back in Missouri, and, and this is how things have changed so much. I get a hold of the legendary Cal Yarborough at his uh, Honda dealership in Timminsville, South Carolina. I take a moment and introduce myself on the phone, and I, you know, and he tell him what I've done and so forth, and he goes, "Man, sounds like you're really good." And yes, I'm. I've got my own team now. You know, I've won a lot of races. Now it's ownership time. He says, he goes, how old are you? And I says, sir, I'm 31 years old. He goes, oh, man, I tell you what, you just don't have enough experience. I'm actually looking for someone a little older to drive this car. <laughs> what do you think about that compared to what today is? Yeah, it's a, it's unbelievable, really. You know, today, you, if you're not 16 and signed up with somebody, they, they, they think you're too old. So I, I wish we could get back to those days because I feel like, you know, as a race car driver, I'm probably, you know, in my prime years right now, you know, and I could be really doing a lot for the sport, but it's, um, it's definitely tough to see the, the direction it's gone. And I understand, you know, they want long careers with these drivers and stuff, but I think they're missing the boat on a lot of, of very talented race car drivers. 
Yeah, well, I have to agree with you. As you mentioned, Josh has got an opportunity for next year. I hope you well, – if someone – if you had the magic ball and said Lee Pullman wants to go run a NASCAR touring series race, a truck race, an Xfinity race, what would be the first choice? <laughs> I, you know, I'd be – I'd be ecstatic for, for either, you know, for me, um, I'm just a race car driver. And if, you know, if I had that opportunity, I'd, you know, I'd give 200%, that's for sure. And, you know, I, I think for, for me, um, I'm a guy that just never gives up, you know, I'm, I'm that guy that, you know, if I hit the lottery, I'm going to go run a truck race. I'm definitely going to spend some of it to go run that truck race, you know, because I, yeah. I just want to prove that I belong there, you know, that that I really wanted to, to have that opportunity. And, um, you know, I know when you get to a stage like that, you can't take a 15th place truck and win, but you might take a 15th place truck and run ninth. You know, you might take a sixth place truck and run third, but you just – you just got to make the most of every opportunity you get. And, um, you know, I get a response thinking about, you know, if I was able to have my name called out and walk to that truck and walk across that stage or that Xfinity car, the feeling that I would have would be, Hey, you know, mom and dad, I, I got here, you know? And, um, and, Hey Lee, I, I happen to know Rick Hendrick listens to this show. I'm just saying. <laughs> well that would be that would be awesome mr h i uh, i would definitely will anything he had <laughs> yes, well I, i'm a big advocate of yours lee and i i know you deserve an opportunity and you could make good on that opportunity so i can only wish you nothing but the best from this point forward and uh i hope to be at the race when they call your name out and i can see your daughter standing on the other side smiling because daddy's racing the truck race yeah, man, that's, uh, like I said, that's all you ever want to make your family proud and uh, just kind of get emotional when you think about stuff like that. And uh, I hope one day I get that opportunity. We hope you do too, Lee. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate the time. Right? It's been fun. <clears throat> yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank You've been you. listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace <laughs> on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.